In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents... Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny... One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Breaking news. We are now on twice a week. Welcome to the Hawks Report. I'm Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC. And you might notice it is Thursday, not Monday. Um, And before we bring on our special guest, Hawks wing Kevin Herter, a little bit of a programming note for y'all. We're going to be splitting our episodes in two. Um, In addition to just being so overwhelmed by the response and feedback feedback and how eager people are for episodes, also... It turns out I talk way too much for one episode a week. Um, if you listen to this podcast, you can probably understand that. And this also really allows us to bring you interviews faster and just allows us to be more timely. And I'm really excited about this change. So basically, keep an eye out for one feature interview a week and then one more kind of newsy analysis mailbag segment episode. Um, and before we get into Kevin, real quick update for you guys, um, on Trey Young, who sat out Monday's loss to Toronto after taking a hit to the shoulder in Sunday's win versus the Lakers. Here's how he says he's feeling. Uh, it's, uh, it's better. It's not as sore. Uh, still a little bit sore, um, from the game, but it's, uh, it's definitely getting a lot better. Yeah, it was more, so I, I mean, in shoot around. I thought I was playing yesterday uh, or whenever we played the Raptors. I came to shoot around, felt fine, but I just, uh, I didn't shoot until after shoot around. I started shooting and I uh, just felt sore. I just couldn't keep shooting and um, tried to get some recovery and treatment before the game and stuff. And then when we got to the arena, it was still kind of sore. And uh, just knowing I can't give my 100%, I just wanted to, they wanted to keep me out for that game. So Trey Young is technically questionable for uh, with a right shoulder contusion for Thursday's game versus Phoenix. Hawks Report podcast is not quite undefeated anymore. Seven and zero to to start. Um, still undefeated when Trey Young plays, though. But at that point, you got to add so many caveats that hey, you know, seven seven and one the past eight games is is pretty solid. So anyway, that's kind of what we're gonna do moving forward as far as episodes and what you guys can expect. That's the latest on Trey Young. And Kevin Herter was just fantastic in the sit-down interview. I'm so excited for y'all to listen to it. He was just, he was really funny, um, really, really honest. And I think y'all are really going to enjoy some of the little nuggets and tidbits he'll give you during the sit-down. So without further ado, here's Wayne Kevin Herter, a man of many, many nicknames uh, and lots of talents for the Hawks as well. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us today. 
course. Thank you for having me here. Having me on. Absolutely. So I want to start out. Um, I actually heard something the other day that made me laugh. I know you just went on Ryan Rosillo and I knew obviously about the Kayvon nickname. I knew obviously regular name is Kevin. I did not know if you have a rough game. It dips down to Kelvin. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of nicknames. There's a lot. There's a, uh, you know, Kelvin is, it's definitely, that's not one of your better games. It's Kelvin. Uh, a decent game is Kevin and the best games are, are Kayvon. And it's just kind of like, it's, it's a running joke that's in the gym. And it was something that it started a couple of years ago when I was a rookie with DeAndre Bambury, Torian Prince. And as new guys have come in and out and, um, you know, JC and Trey and, and mm-hmm. guys like that who have been constant and now D Hunt here for a couple of years. It's uh, it's a nickname that's caught on and stayed, especially amongst most of the coaches. I would think that's motivation to never have an off game because then you dip down to Kelvin. It's that's, funny. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's the same too. It's funny on on Twitter and Instagram and that stuff after games and you know you have a good game and it's like everybody knows like oh this was a Kayvon game and mm-hmm. um, for me it's kind of funny. It's definitely one of those things that. Um, now I've come to expect and you have a good game and it's the Kayvon game seven, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Against uh, Philly. Right. So it's, it's funny. Just the, the different things that fly out there. Fans are creative and funny. I put a hint out there of who I was going to have next on the podcast. And all I did was a red velvet cupcake gif. And everyone was like, oh my gosh, it's Kevin Herter <laughs> coming on. So that's definitely endeared you to fans, I feel like, and just Atlanta overall. But there hasn't been much Kelvin lately. It's mm-hmm. been, it's we'll been, keep that. We don't need to start that. So for all the people listening, we can leave that. We can leave <laughs> that inside the gym. That's between that's between <laughs> listeners of this podcast, <laughs> producer right. Jay, me and Kevin. Um, but I I did want to ask. I, I mean, obviously dropped that game against Toronto, but even that loss did not feel to me like some of the losses in the first half of the season. It felt like. You guys were still battling, and it's just a situation where obviously you're not going to go undefeated um, the rest of the season. But you did start out seven and zero since we started this podcast, so there is there is there, there is that win streak. What do, what have you seen from the team lately as far as why you guys are in such a groove? I mean, the effort obviously has has been a lot better, and you know, losses like last game are are the way losses I guess are supposed to feel. You know, we gave ourselves a chance to win at the end, and um, you know, just felt like they made bigger shots, more timely shots, and they had a lot of guys get hot. And, um, you know, we played well enough to win the game, but obviously you know, didn't come out on top. And I just think our rhythm the last couple weeks has been a lot better. I think, you know, you, you can't make excuses. You know, COVID hits everybody in the league. It definitely hit us as hard as anybody. And, um, you know, having different guys in and out of the lineup all at different times. It wasn't like we're all out at one time. It mm-hmm. was, you know, one guy goes out, 10 days go by, that guy comes back, the next guy goes out. So it really felt like for – Three weeks to a month, you know, we just couldn't catch a rhythm. We couldn't come together as a team when we were already kind of struggling. And it mm-hmm. was we were trying to hold on and we were trying to stay around 500 and, and keep ourselves in the mix. And um, you know, finally, once we got everyone healthy, we've finally been healthy here the last two weeks. And this is really the first time we've, we've felt this healthy as a team in almost two years. And you see what we're capable of with both groups, um, mm-hmm. you know, our starting group, our bench group. And the bench has been on fire. Unbelievable. I mean, a couple of games ago, they scored 70 points, and I think those guys are finding the rhythm and their role a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I think within the first group, you know, getting D Hunt back after you'll know, finally consistency mm-hmm. with him for the past, I don't know, three weeks or month that we've had him now. It's refreshing to have him back after, obviously, last year's postseason run and in and out of the lineup early to start this year. So 
feels like we're we're finally getting all our all our guys back and and we're getting a little bit more consistency both with lineups and how people are playing that yeah. uh we still feel like we're a really good team a team that obviously you know had success last year late in the year and um a team that has been kind of starving to get back to that success and now that we finally have everyone healthy we got to stay this way and uh you know we still think we can we can keep it rolling what has made the biggest difference defensively because some of those issues were around even before all the roster craziness what what has made the biggest difference on that end it's a buy-in you know it starts with that a buy-in and effort um you know we had to see what we were doing wrong too I think you know now that we took the defensive end for granted but I think offensively it, it comes pretty easy to us and after last year's success you know, both sides of the ball aren't going to come easy. Now we have a target on our back. And, you know, defensively, I think we were struggling, you know, effort-wise and, and obviously in our rotations. But then we are also screwing up, you know, scheme-wise and not exactly knowing where we were screwing up. So really about, you know, a month and a half ago, there wasn't there wasn't a specific day where we came in and, and everything changed one You're day. Like, it now, was, how about tomorrow we start playing good defense? <laughs> right. It was – it definitely started with a meeting where it was, you know, Coach Mack came in and he's like, listen, like this is – you know, we're going to practice over the next couple of weeks. Like we're, we're going to practice. There's not going to be as many off days. We're going to come in here. We're going to work because that's what we got to get back to. We have to be a team that comes in here and works and gets better. And, um, you know, we started watching more film. I think we started learning from our film a lot better. And uh, we started to carry over, obviously, in the game that now that we've picked up the effort um, in, in our scheme-wise that we've been better. And, again, having guys healthy, um, having guys on the court and different guys stepping up on the defensive end of the court, um, I think it's all slowly coming together. How have you personally taken the – kind of answered the call – defensively I know last season that was a big your game really exploded in the second not well not even the second half but but your game really exploded last season um just being able to to contain guys defensively um not that that was not there at all but it was a different level I feel like starting last season um so how have you kind of answered that call and that challenge to to take a step forward defensively yeah, just continuing to challenge myself. You know, the coaching staff, you know, especially Coach Max since he's gotten here, has challenged not only myself but you know, everybody else in the team to be better defensively. And, um, you know, that helps when you're trusting guys around you. I know that you know, something that's been big for me is, you know, having guys like Clint and John and, and O behind you protecting the rim. You know, you feel a lot more comfortable being able to pressure the ball and get into guys. And, um, you know, Coach Mack is always preaching to pressure teams. And, and sometimes you don't realize you go into games and you're playing a little bit softer than others. Uh, you know, teams start to catch a rhythm that in some games you go in and, and you're pressuring from the jump and those teams don't catch a rhythm and you're able to, to pressure them all game and stay into them. And um, just consistent effort, something that, that we can continue to talk about in this building. And, you know, in some ways I definitely told it on myself. I think it was a, you know, something that I've been working on since I got in the NBA is my foot speed and being better on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, wanting to be a guy that plays at the end of games throughout my career. And, you know, yeah. to do that, you have to obviously play on the defensive end of the court. So um, I definitely feel like I've gotten better in that area. And, um, you know, over the last, obviously, couple of weeks, you know, myself, you know, along with everybody team defense-wise, has gotten a lot better. Well. You know, Trey's gotten a lot better. And a lot of that, I think, it does come down to a lot of effort and, you know, watching yourself and, and learning from your own film and, you know, figuring out ways to be effective. There were definitely flashes, though, earlier in your career. So I got here. It was your second season. That was my first year on the beat. And there were flashes that you were going to grow into a more defensive player, though. Like, I remember one of the funniest things I ever heard Lloyd Pierce say was um, it was a game against Orlando, and you had a big block on, I think it was Vucevic, mm -hmm. and just a big swat. 
And I remember asking Lloyd about it post game. And um, he like, I was like, what did you think about, you know, that black by Kevin Herter and deadpan. He was like, you mean Kevin Mutombo? <laughs> and I like, but I was like so focused in the moment that I like didn't understand the joke. So I was like, no, uh, uh, Kevin Herter. Like obviously, there's no Kevin Matumba. Right. But I feel like there were. I feel like there were there were signs that you were going to be good defensively, but you've really embraced that, and the team as a whole has really embraced that under Nate. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of that has to do with my body. You know, just building my body and you know, getting stronger, and getting healthier, getting healthier. Obviously, you know, the end of last season, the second half was was going through some stuff, but. Yo, it's funny. When I first got here, uh, I was drafted the first summer. I remember all I wanted to do was block shots. And, you know, I'd come, oh, really? in, I'd come in to pick up. And I was going for every pump fake. I was acting like I was, I don't know, some shot blocker in the NBA. I, I was always leaving my feet. And you know, I was having decent success at it. And I was I was coming up with some. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's why I kept doing. And I remember LP just kind of quickly told me, he's like, listen, like, that's not going to work. Like, you're, <laughs> you're a 6'7 wing. Like, right. you're not going to be blocking guys at the level. You know, you need to stay on your feet. You need to become... Uh, more disciplined defender and that for me was kind of the first wake up like all right like it's a little bit different when I get in the game against different guys you're not gonna be able to just be out here leaving your feet all game and trying to block shots and now I feel like I rarely leave my feet to block shots and it's I think that just you know it's it's all about progression you know getting better over over the years and learning from obviously past mistakes and and taking on the challenge I think you know, as guys have been in and out of injuries, I think I've I've had to wear a lot of hats. You know, that's both on the offensive end and, and the defensive end, and you know, tried to take that challenge of being a better defender. Coming into this season, because I know you had that procedure after it was right after the Eastern Conference Finals, right? Um, what was how were you actually feeling coming into the season? Because I know I, I feel like looking back. It wasn't that apparent at the time, but looking back, when you think of, you know, Clint had something done, Bogey had something done, you had something done, it y'all didn't look like yourselves. There might be a couple reasons why, but to me, looking back, I feel like that might be why, and it's not necessarily anyone's fault. It was just that y'all were so banged up last season that it carried over. Right. No, I mean, I definitely felt slow. You know, I felt slow to start the year. Um, you know, a lot of us, we didn't do much in training camp, not a lot of contact, and you know, big goal for us as a team was everybody being healthy and ready for game one of the regular season. And it was mm. less about training camp was let's fine tune a lot of stuff. Let's let's get in shape for the guys that can do stuff. You know, mm-hmm. we were still running. It was just no contact. And most of the summer for me was spent you know, sitting on a box and shooting <laughs> right. and, you know, not on my feet, not playing pickup. Um, obviously, we played pretty deep into the summer and only had about 10 weeks off from the, the end of the and the last season of training camp, but you know, a lot of that for me was off my feet. Mm-hmm. And so you're know, getting myself in shape and getting back to my game rhythm all came somewhat in practice in training camp and then a little bit in that preseason, but mostly you straight know, the, up in games. Straight up in games. Mm-hmm. And um, anybody who's had a surgery knows that once once you have a surgery, once your body is, is cut open, it's really it's it's never the same. And it, it's not the same for a couple months and you'll still feel some of that even today, but um, you know, all the pain that I was having last season, it's gone. You know, right mm-hmm. now it's it's just getting rid of a couple, you know, nerve little things in your foot. It doesn't feel quite right. But mm-hmm. you know, definitely say, you know, a lot of us just our rhythm was off to start the year. You know, maybe a little bit slower recovering from stuff. And um, you know, at this point, four or five months in the season, you, you can't make the same excuses. Right. Going into your contract extension talks and all that, I mean, I, I know a lot of that is handled by, you know, agents and front office stuff, but what was your, what were your 
kind of expectations? Like, did you think, okay, we're definitely going to get something done? Like taking the temperature of it, what was your mindset with it going into that whole uh, situation? You know, I don't really know how it was all going to go down. Obviously, it was my first time through that process. Mm -hmm. And you're coming off so much success. You know, as a team last year, I knew that, you know, I knew I wanted to be here. I knew that in some ways, you know, I could see that, not that there was unfinished business, but, you know, it was something that I want to be a part of here moving forward, a part of this core and part of something that was building that, you know, hopefully year after year, we're, we're in the mix trying to contend for a championship. And, um, it wasn't something that you know, I was seeking of going somewhere else. And so I was always motivated to stay here and get something done. And uh, was ho- was hopefully, uh, you know, the team was on the same page as I was. And, you know, really from the start of, I forget what, what the official start date is, but it was it was the start of when we could start talking. Mm-hmm. You know, my agent and Travis and Tony had a great conversation about how they were motivated to get something done. And, you know, we we're going to be talking a lot over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, Trey got his done really early. JC got his done. And, uh, Clint got his done pretty early, so it all felt like they're committed to bringing everyone back and, and running this back. And uh, and then the business side of it happens. You know, mm-hmm. it really felt like for a couple months we were kind of stuck at a number, and you know, neither side was really comfortable. You know, where it was at, and uh, for a while there was not that I ever thought it wasn't going to get done, but it was one of those things like I was prepared to go into the season without a contract, with you know, playing into my next deal and, and going to the end of this season and figuring it out. Um, there's something I was prepared to do, but obviously didn't want to. And, um, you know, time, it, it's funny how it works. You get to the last couple of days and then both sides kind of start scrambling and you want to get something done. And it seems like that's how the whole, le- it seems like tra- the trade, trade deadline. It seems like, oh, I'll think about it at 1130 or something, mm-hmm. you know, that it seems like that's how it all is. It is. And that's exactly how it went down. You know, we didn't come up with the final number till about, you know, I was signing the sheet about 40 minutes before the deadline. <laughs> right. They're trying to rush say, Hey, we need to fax this in at the NBA. We need to get it done. And. <laughs> And I'm like, man, we've we've been sitting on this for three months now. Right, and uh, a lot of hurry up and wait. Right. So it was. I think both sides the whole time were motivated to get it done. It was just coming to a number that that we were both comfortable with, and um, luckily we did. What are the when does um, when you come into something like that? When first of all you just get it done. Obviously, it's you know pretty big number there. When does it hit you that okay? this is actually like, this is real, like it's done. I don't have to worry about it. And also this is, it's life changing, you know, money, a life changing situation. Yeah. For me, I mean, I definitely had a big smile on my face as I was signing it. Um, you know, that for me hit a little, hit a little bit different seeing the numbers on, on the page as you're signing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, for me, it's, you know, in season, you know, it's tough to appreciate it. Obviously your contracts mm-hmm. and everything that comes with it. You're so in the moment, so in the grind, you're, you know, all you're really worrying about is playing basketball. That I guess in, in the off season when you can spur, splurge a little bit, you go on your vacations, you, you buy whatever. And I think John and, got a Tesla. Right, and you, and you can <laughs> you can enjoy it. And you know, I haven't had my off season where I've, where I've had that deal yet. You know, got it done and pretty much went right into the season. And right. for me, my life hasn't changed much. And um, so that day might you know come in the next couple months, or it might come you know in the next couple of years. It might come when I retire. I really don't know, but. You know, for me, I'm just trying to you know, stay on the same path I've been in, continue to get better every day. And um, I mean, I'd play this game for free. So really, you know, any number that comes with it is is uh, is all obviously stuff I don't need. But it's it's great that it comes with it. It's, it's, part, nice, of playing, yeah. it's part of playing the NBA. <laughs> right. Um, so obviously, the, the Hawks front office did run it back with this group. This is a very similar roster. Obviously, an up and down start to – the season. Um, but now it looks like you guys are hitting 
hitting your stride. And now, of course, it, the kind of trade deadline, trade season is upon us, all the crazy rumors out there. As a player, how do you, and maybe you know other guys on the team too, do you just like not look at your phone? I don't know if you have Twitter on your phone or you just like, I don't even want to look at any of this. Or is it, I know some guys kind of find it funny and they're like, let me tweet the eyeball emoji and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, you know, the, the easiest thing to do is win. I think if you win, everybody here should be fine. Every, we won last year. Everybody got taken care of. You keep winning. They usually don't have to make any moves. So first and foremost, I think the first thing is how can we sit here and win? Mm-hmm. And then with all the other trade stuff, it is it is funny. And it's you try to stay off social media as much as you can. Mm-hmm. You see rumors that are out there. You see rumors from other teams, from your teams. And a lot of times it's like you're laughing because 95% of it is, is, isn't is true. Or it doesn't happen. even mathematically add up. Mathematically add up. It's just people throwing out names and, and numbers and whatnot. And uh, for me, it's I tell my immediate family, you know, my my rookie year, I remember, and I love her, but she had no idea she was new to it. But my mom saw some tweet about somewhere of I was getting <laughs> traded here, and she texted me like, "Is this true? Like, what do you think?" Like, oh, I was, no. and I'm like, I'm like, mom, here's a learning, here's a learning <laughs> moment for us moving forward. Never listen to trade rumors until I text you or or I call you or my agent calls you. I'm like, just don't pay attention to it, stay off of it. And three years later, she's never tried to ask me about it or talk about it. And I could tell she's a lot less anxious about things like that. And um, I try to tell my cousins and my friends who all do the same. Like, listen, don't don't text me about trade rumors. I don't know. Yeah. Um, one, I don't want to know. Two, it's mostly not true. A lot of it doesn't happen. And if it does, you guys will be the first to know. So I was about to say, you'd probably be like the last one to know. You know, the actual player sometimes is like the last one to know. So it's like on the hierarchy of trade stuff, you're right. like down there. <laughs> right. So it's like, it's almost like, you know, the people around, it's like, don't put stuff in my head. I don't need it. You yeah. Know, you guys yeah, are yeah. supposed to be on my side with this yeah. in terms of I want to stay away from it. But. It's fun. It's a part of the NBA. You know, before I got in the NBA, the trade rumors were fun. I was a fan. You know why it's there. Sure. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we're all human. And you, know, you, you get traded, you pick up your life, you move somewhere else. And obviously no one wants to do that. Mm-hmm. What was it like? Because you have like a hardcore basketball family, right? Like your yep. your sisters. What is what is basketball? Break it down for me. Like your dad's a coach. Your mom, does your mom, play, you know, did your mom play? Yeah. So my dad, my dad played division one at Siena College up in Albany, New York. My older brother, who's about 20 months older than me, played at Siena. I obviously played at Maryland. Mm-hmm. My sister now is a freshman at Providence playing basketball. My Good youngest sister is a senior in high school. She's probably going to do prep next year, mm-hmm. um, but she also has her own division one offers. And um, my mom was a track star. My mom oh, was a track star. In, she's in, like the in odd high person She was there. the odd one out. Obviously, she's got a jump shot too. Sure, um, she can get up for that. <laughs> a lot of hours in the gym. Obviously, she's uh, she'll take credit for all of us. But yeah, basketball family for as long as I can remember. And you know, our group messages are funny. You know, my parents, you know, they're a couple weeks ago, actually about a week ago, they they drove to see my sister play at Providence. They mm. flew here. They flew to Charlotte, saw us play there, drove to Atlanta, saw us play two games, flew back home, saw my sister in high school. So it's like my parents are all over the place right now, and it was it was obviously worse when my brother was still playing that they had four of us to go see their games. And getting some miles. I hope they have all the oh, points. They do. They <laughs> Everything do. set up. They do. So did your – did your dad ever coach you at all? Yeah, he did. You know, he coached me all growing up. Really, every team. My first team back in the Y League all the way up until – he didn't coach me in high school, but he was mm-hmm. coaching all my AU teams growing up. Um, you know, coached all my travel teams growing up. Coached, I, I always played up with my brother's teams. That made it easier on, on my parents, obviously, but sure. it was good for me and my development, always playing against older players. And 
Um, you know, still today he texts me after after every game. You know, we talk after most of the home games and um, you know, he's still trying to coach me. He, he gives me a scouting report on different players. And yes, I was going to ask if he gave more dad feedback or coach feedback. He picks and chooses. Okay. You know, uh, he's, he's a dad now for you know, 80% of the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, coach-wise, 20%. It's definitely, you know, if I'm struggling, you know, he'll be there more. And you know, he's the first person, hey, let me fly down and we can work on your shot. Or you need to start dribbling more. You need you know, your <laughs> handle. You know, he, he's the first person to critique me. But at the end of the day, he's uh, you know, from afar now. I don't see him every day. He's, he's definitely father most of the time. So how much does the family talk about basketball or is it one of those things where you're doing it so much that it's like, can we please talk about something else? No, I mean, that's all we've ever known. It really sure. is. Our group message, I'm telling you, our family group message every day is is good luck to somebody else. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, but it's like a reminder. Like my parents are like, all right, everybody, good luck, Meg. Here's here's the link to, to watch online. You can watch her game. All right. Aww. The next night, it's good luck, Jill. Like here's the link to tune and watch her game. And I mean, we play every other day, so it's sure. so the good luck cab is going on most of the game. But um, it's been great. You know, we get growing up, we get back from our basketball games, and we get home, and you turn on the TV, and it's more basketball. And then you know, I'd go up to bed, and I'd watch the late night West Coast games. <laughs> right. and it's really kind of been you know living and dying basketball for most of my life. So, long, a long ways down the road, would you ever want to get into coaching? I feel like you have the temperament for it. I could. You know, it's definitely something I would be interested in. It's it's hard to me for me to think of a life that sure. doesn't somehow involve basketball or doesn't sure. involve sports. Um, hopefully, I don't have to think about that for a little while. Yeah, I was about to say, knock on wood. I'm saying a long ways. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Definitely, some. It could be. It could be. We'll leave the door open. What is kind of your mindset with the rest of the season? Uh, as far as you know, Delon came on last week and he mentioned we're really trying to avoid the play-in tournament which a lot of, you know, a lot of teams, that's the goal. So you don't have to go through that. Um, just kind of what's, where's your head at with that? Yeah. I mean, avoiding the plan would be, would be ideal. We dug ourselves a big hole. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's tough. You know, we have in our gym for people that are listening, you know, we have, we have the standings up, you know, every day, right when you walk in the gym, you can see the standings and we won seven in a row and moved one spot. And so mentally it's, we're in a grind. You, know, you look at where we'd have to get to, to not be in the plan. And, we pretty much have to do what we just did for you know most of the rest of the season and, and we'd have to play well which I think we're very capable of doing especially if we stay healthy you know we go into most games thinking we can win but you know for me personally we just we got to be in the mix you know I, I don't think there's one team specifically that I fear seeing in the playoffs that you know I truly think if we get into a, a one game playoff with anybody or, or a seven game series we can beat anybody in the east or, or the west I feel like if we're on our game and, and we're playing and we have everybody on the court mm-hmm. so for me it's just it's being in the mix you know it's you know, the first goal was getting back to 500 and seeing where we're at. You know, 500 for us would get us to the seven or eight seed. And, you know, right there, we're back in the mix. And uh, from there, anything can happen. You can play well. And next thing you know, we're, we could get up to five or six. And, you know, we'd need some help from, obviously, the teams that are sitting there. And But it's something I know we're capable of doing. Um, we dug ourselves a hole. Obviously, we're trying to climb ourselves out of it. But like I said, there's not, there's not one team that I don't think I, I wouldn't want to see that I don't think we can beat. And, uh, so if we just get into the playoffs, regardless if it's playing or not, you know, I think we can beat anybody. How much did last year's playoffs, not to bring up last year again, but I mean, if you look at that series versus Philly, it's wild that you guys, th- those two comeback wins, what was it like 18 and 26 or something? Those were, mm-hmm. that's wild margins. Like at one right. point the starters had been pulled for Philly and you right. guys were able to come back when you're, when you pull off something like that. And then obviously it's mostly the same guys this year. Do you, does that kind of feed that? Like we 
we can do anything because that's one of the wildest things that's ever happened. And we did it. It did. I mean, it, it definitely proved to us that, you know, we can beat anybody. And, you know, I think at times we've shown that we're, you know, at times better than the team that we were last year and, and we're in that series. And, you know, it, it felt like a lot of the games last year in that, in that Philly series, especially that we lost, um, you know, we lost by a wide margin. And then we'd always, we used to, we always came back and, you know, we responded in the next game and, um, you know, offensively how elite, we're capable of being and can just shoot teams out of games and then you know just being solid the other at the defensive end of the court uh, being a top 10 defense is something that we've talked about all year and you know letting our offense kind of you know do the rest from there uh, that's why I don't think we fear anybody you know we think we can score on anybody can score with anybody um, defensively is where we just got to continue to be solid but I mean coming off last year it's tough to not still talking about it but it's you know going to this year again going to this playoffs and, and knowing that we're going to see hopefully a lot of the same teams that we came mm-hmm. across last year um, and just knowing, you know, what a series looks like when you're playing those teams and what it takes to win. And, you will learn a lot from that Milwaukee series. And, you know, we had Trey out, they had Giannis out and um, you're learning how to, how to win game five or we're in their building and must, a must win game for both teams. And they end up taking it. It's, you know, those games, how can we figure that out and win those this year? Um, and I think we've learned a lot. You know, everybody's a year older, um, Obviously, we get Dre back, and, and Delon is new to the team, and yeah. different bench guys that we that we brought on. But everybody's a year older, have been through it once, and like I said, we can just get into those series, get into the playoffs. Y'all take us against anybody. I got to sneak in an Onyeka question, obviously, before we get out of here. What have you seen out of him? How impressed have you been with him? To me, yeah, like physically, the things you do, he's doing are, are wild, but also his game has matured in a very short amount of time. It's really, it's his confidence. It really is. It's like, it's, and he's said it real recently in interviews. It's, it's the dog in him. It's the dog that's been able to come out. That was the like the best quote in the world. It <laughs> is, but it's, you know, even him saying that, that's not something he would have had the confidence to say last year. Wow. And I know it's, it's tough coming in the NBA as a rookie. There's so many new things. You're trying to establish yourself, but he was almost like the quiet laid back guy that was still trying to figure out if he belonged. He was getting in games mm-hmm. and, in the centers, I mean, the center position, in the NBA across the board, it's it's a tough position. There's there's really good players on it. Feels like every team, and so every game you're going into it and OS to guard somebody. And being a the defender he is, even if the other team doesn't have a center, sometimes he's put on a power forward, a Giannis type or mm-hmm. Anthony Davis that we saw him on the other day. It's you know being that true anchor of our defense, and I think his confidence has grown so much that you know he's talking a little smack. Um, you know, he's he, going up. He's with Towns. With Towns. They were going with, back with and Davis, forth. With Davis. with Giannis a little bit. You know, he, he's going at guys. He's you know he's putting up a fight. Obviously, he's letting them know that he's here. And um, you, know, you love to see it. Just his confidence is growing. Um, he's starting to figure out. He's he's learning a lot. Learning where to be on the court. Lou Williams has been great for him that second unit. He's always in his ear. If you if you look at the sidelines, Lou is always trying to talk to him, and he's been a great vet for him. That he's learning a lot. Oh, a, he's a strong dude. You know, what, mm-hmm. it, what he doesn't have sometimes in size, he's gotten strength. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of guys that don't want to see him on the block right now. Sure. Kevin, thank you so much for your time. This was awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you so much to Kevin Herter for sitting down with us. Um, I had a lot of fun chatting with him, and I bet you guys had fun listening to that. Because um, how could you not? He was, he was really funny, uh, really open, and um, that's really all you can ask for in, in interviews like that. So, um Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, Please remember to rate, review, follow, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. Tell your friends, tell people who like the team. Um, We're really enjoying doing this podcast so far, and I hope y'all are enjoying listening to it. Um, Coming up, obviously the Hawks will play Phoenix 
Thursday. That'll be a challenge. Um, Phoenix is red hot right now. Uh, so that's going to be a big one. Then they've got a little bit of a road trip, Toronto, Dallas, um, all around. This is going to be a, a pretty telling, challenging week for the Hawks. So we'll look forward to, to seeing how they fare. Um, and because of our little programming note and because of the way we're shipping things around, we will see you Monday for the next episode of the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. I'm Ernie Suggs, race and culture reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And I'm Ned Ravone, lifestyle columnist. Atlanta has been known as the Black Mecca for so many years, but that means something different to everybody. It means everything to me. I've been living here for 24 years, and I am still amazed at how rich the city's Black culture continues to grow. Every day I wake up, I learn something new. Well, you all can learn something new by subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's new newsletter called Unapologetically ATL. It's all about the people, the events, and the entertainment happening in Metro Atlanta that Black people might want to know about. Like historically Black colleges and universities. Atlanta's thriving art scene. And the city's growing neighborhoods. Wherever you live, we want to hear from you. We want to hear what issues are important to you. So subscribe today at www.ajc.com slash unapologetically ATL. Only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Constitution.